Grace and peace to you from God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, dear friends. Does it seem sometimes like the Holy Spirit doesn't get the attention and the recognition that he certainly deserves? Maybe in part that's because the work of the Father and the Son is just so clearly obvious to us. We look around and we see the towering mountains and the deep ocean and the countless stars up in the sky, and we see the Father's eternal and almighty power. Every time we come into church and see the cross hanging there or see it hanging on a wall in our home or see the pastor sign the cross as he speaks the words of absolution, we are reminded of the, Spirit, or of the Son's work of redemption. But what about the Holy Spirit? What exactly does He do for us? Well, today we'll see that even though His work may not be as obvious to our earthly eyes, it is just as impressive and just as necessary as the work of the Father and the Son. As we celebrate this day of Pentecost, let's give thanks to God the Holy Spirit for that gift of faith that He shared with us and also for the many other gifts that He gives us to share. The part of God's Word that we'll look at today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read the first 11 verses. The Apostle Paul writes here, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This is the Word of our God. So it seems that the Christians in Corinth had a misunderstanding not only about the work of the Holy Spirit in general, but also about the various gifts that he distributes to his church. Rather than all of this being a source of joy and unity for this congregation, instead it paved the way for envy and division among this congregation. And the same thing can certainly happen today. I mean, we live in a world that kind of glorifies externals, 
that praises the outwardly talented and powerful. Unfortunately, a person's worth is often measured by how talented they seem to be or what they seem able to contribute to society in one way or another. And don't imagine that that sort of thinking can't infect the church at times either. Those who have very, or very prominent gifts, well, they may be tempted to feel superior over others. Well, at the same time, others may feel kind of inadequate, like they have little or nothing to offer to the body at large. And Satan uses that. He uses that kind of thinking to either create divisions within a congregation or to promote inactivity and laziness on the part of its members. The Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthians, and he wants us to understand that this problem with spiritual gifts often comes when God's people overlook the primary gift of the Spirit, which is that simple gift of saving faith. If we underestimate the value of the faith that the Spirit works in our hearts, we're prone to overestimate the importance of all of the other gifts that he pours out on the church. And so Paul reminds the Corinthians of their former way of life. He wanted them to recognize the tremendous gift that each one of them had received already from the Spirit. He said to them, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. The Corinthians could take a quick look around their city and be reminded very quickly of their former way of life. At one time, these people were utterly lost, worshiping idols made of wood and stone. They were seeking out the answers to life's greatest questions from things that could not speak, could not answer, and could not help. It's as if Paul is saying to them, can't you remember how sad and pathetic things were for you before the Holy Spirit did that work in your hearts? Don't you remember what life was like when you had no help, had no answers, and had no hope? Sadly, there are so many who are in that same boat in our world today. The idols have maybe changed to a certain extent, but the pursuit of them is just as sad and pathetic as it ever was. Power and position seem to bring people the help and the hope that they're looking for. Maybe they seem to bring purpose and satisfaction to life. Money, of course, is another one of those things that seems to offer so much, can provide us a comfortable home and nice cars and so many other things. But in the end, ultimately, these idols and any others, they fall deathly silent because they don't have the answers to life's greatest questions. They don't bring peace to a guilty conscience. They don't offer guidance during those difficult days of our life. And they don't offer a shred of hope for an eternal future. How sad <clears throat> and pathetic that so many are still influenced and led astray 
by these mute idols. So Paul reminds the Corinthians, that's the way things were for you. And he wants us to understand too, that apart from the Spirit's work in our hearts, we would still be trapped in that pursuit that ultimately leads to eternal death. When we look around in our world and see people wandering in unbelief, when we see them chasing after the favorite idols of our day, do we see our past as well? Now maybe there never was a time when we were actively worshiping idols, but by nature we were certainly lost. That's God's assessment. He tells us in His Word that we didn't begin life in this world good or even neutral. We began life sinful and hostile toward God. But see, thanks to God the Holy Spirit, all of that has changed for us. Together with the, Holy, or together with the Corinthians, we know Jesus as our Savior. We confess that He is our Lord. We have someone who is real, somebody who can and does speak. We know the one true God who has wonderful things to say to us. He has the solution to our greatest problem. He has the answers to life's biggest questions. God constantly speaks to us about the forgiveness that Jesus won for us. When our hearts are weighed down with guilt, God alone can speak words that soothe our conscience. When we have questions about where we came from, what are we like, and what is our purpose in life, God points us to His Word that gives us answers that never fail. When we're concerned about what the future holds, God fills our ears and our hearts with His promises of eternal life. So how did that happen? How did it happen that these Corinthians who were influenced and led astray by mute idols were now worshipers of God and faithful to Him? How did it happen that we who were sinful and hostile toward God by nature are now at peace with Him and confessing His Son as our Lord? Did we sit down one day and just kind of think things through and decide, you know what? Faith in Jesus is really the route to go in life. Is it because we always had this little spark of good in us that was just waiting to come out to be fanned into flame by us? Is it because we paid a high price to make things right with the Holy God? We know that in every case, the answer is no. We are what we are, thanks to the work that the Spirit has done in our hearts. Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In Martin Luther's explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, which focuses on the work of the Spirit, he says it like this, I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel and enlightened me with His gifts. Through the Gospel, God the Holy Spirit worked a miracle in our hearts. A miracle as great as raising someone from the dead. He changed our hearts and our lives forever. And so, any discussion about the many spiritual gifts that He pours out on His church 
has to start by first considering this greatest gift of the Spirit, the gift of saving faith in Jesus that He's worked in each one of us. Because this is the one gift without which nothing else really matters. This is the one gift without which nothing good or spiritual is even possible. So give thanks to God the Holy Spirit for that gift of faith that He has shared with each of you. And you know, if that were the only gift that He gave to His people, it would be enough. The Spirit is generous. He pours out a wide variety of gifts on His people for the building up of His kingdom in this world and for eternity. Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now one thing we want to understand right away with these various gifts is just like that gift of faith that the Spirit has given to each one of us, all of these other gifts also flow from God's grace to us in Jesus. They aren't things that we've earned or deserved in any way. They are what they're called, gifts. And so right away that takes any ideas of arrogance or boasting out of the picture when it comes to these things. Earlier in the same letter, the apostle asked the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Who we are as God's people and what we have as God's people are gifts that we've received. And the Spirit pours out a wide variety of them. Paul says different gifts, different workings, different kinds of service. He's generous. He doesn't give all the gifts in every place and at every time to every person, but rather he gives them just as he determines. And so when he brings a group of believers together, he provides the gifts that are necessary to serve his people in that place and to carry out the mission that he has in mind at that time. And of course, that should give us ultimate confidence as a congregation, knowing that God the Holy Spirit is going to give us together just what we need to carry out the work that He's put before us at this time and in this place. And from this wide variety of gifts that the Spirit pours out in His church, each individual believer has received something. Paul says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Just as each one of us has received that primary and greatest gift of the Spirit, the gift of faith, so each one of us has been given some additional gift to further the work of His kingdom in this world. And so as a congregation, we can never say, so-and-so has nothing to offer to the work of the congregation. Instead, we want to seek out and rejoice in the gifts that we know all of God's people have. Likewise, no individual can say, I have nothing to offer to this congregation, or my gifts are too trivial or unimportant to be put to use. No, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, and it's given for the common good. That means that we don't get to decide 
whether or not we're going to use these gifts that the Spirit provides. They're not ours alone. They belong to all of God's people together. They are given to build up and strengthen the church, and so they have to be put into use. In another place, the Apostle Paul says that when one member of the body ceases to function, the whole body suffers. And what that means on a personal level is that when we fail to use the gifts that the Spirit has given to us, all those sitting around us today suffer. And the mission suffers. And likewise, when those sitting around us fail to use the gifts that God has given them, then we suffer. And again, the mission suffers. These gifts poured out by the Holy Spirit are given for the common good, for the building and strengthening of the kingdom of Christ crucified in people's hearts and lives for eternal life. Maybe it does sometimes seem like the Holy Spirit doesn't get the recognition or the attention that he rightly deserves. That's okay. That's kind of the way that he wants it. The Spirit doesn't want to talk about himself. He wants to talk about Jesus. That's his great work, his sacred work that he does. In fact, that's really all that he does in the Word and the sacraments. He is constantly pointing people to Jesus and saying, look at what he has done for you. Look at what he has given for you. The Holy Spirit has done that sacred work in our hearts. He's pointed us to our Savior and created saving faith here. And so that helps us to understand that all of the other gifts that the Spirit pours out on His people are to be used for that very same purpose. To point people to Jesus. So consider how the Holy Spirit has blessed you. What gifts has He entrusted to your care that can now be put to work in His kingdom. By putting these things to work, to point other people to Jesus, you are saying thanks to God the Holy Spirit. Thanks for that gift of faith that He shared with you, and thanks for the many other gifts that He's given you to share. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.